Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. I thank God for you. You know, one of the things I love so much about you is that you and I, for the last 39 years, have been doing life together, ups, downs, hard times, sad times, and we're still at it. I mean, this is challenging. We live in a challenging time, but we're doing it together. I thank God for you. I'm glad you're in my life. And speaking of people I'm grateful for that are important to me, uh, last weekend, my son Josh had a birthday. We went down to my dad's house, he and my mom, and my dad's turning 92 uh, this month. And so I've got a picture of Josh and me and my dad. We had a great time. I got to go to worship with my mom and dad, and that meant the world to them. It meant the world to me. I missed you, but man, that was a great, great um, moment. And my dad, um, I got another picture of him, Because this picture is my dad out doing daily chores before breakfast. The dude is a beast. He never stops moving, never stops working. In fact, he was kind of ragging on me, bragging um, about passing his driver's license test at 92, knowing that because of my poor vision, I had failed mine. He was going around like he was a 16-year-old boy with that new driver's license. I'd cut him out of the will if I could. Um, But we, man, we had a a great time together. And we're going to have a great time in these moments because God is here. And his word is alive and active. And Jesus is actively at work as well. Right now, in your home, through your computer, your device. And in me, I sense his presence. I sense his work. Um, and we, we, the wild thing to me, amazing, unbelievable, but so like God. We planned this series of messages from the uh, Jesus Storybook Bible about six months ago. And I am blown away by the message God selected six months ago for this weekend. In this message, uh, Jesus Uh, asks two questions that he connects unbreakably together. And the questions are these. Why are you so afraid? Question number one. And question number two, tightly tied to it, do you still have no faith? Always when Jesus puts those questions to people, he puts them together. Because there's always a connection. If we have lots of faith, then we have little fear. If our lives are driven by faith, the fear dwindles away. Lots of fear would be an indication that we have not very much faith. And so the questions, again, what has you so afraid Do you still have no faith? I mean, what or whom have you given the power to to freak you out? What has the power to steal your peace? What have you given the power to to steal your joy? What have you given the power to to steal your hope? Fear is a thief 
that will steal the essence of your life if you're not clinging every moment of every day to your faith in a good Jesus who is actively at work to your good. Now, there's, there's real fear. There's things that we should be afraid of, like we should be afraid to lick our finger and stick it in the light socket. That would be bad. That's real fear. But did you know that only 10% of fear is real? 90% of the fear we experience is irrational. It's, it's made up in our mind. I mean, would, just think about the comfort and peace we would know, the joy we would experience if we just dealt with the 10% of fear that's real and didn't give a second thought to the 90% of fear that we experience that's irrational. There, there are three aspects of irrational fear. This is where fear comes from. It's like a, a fear trifecta. Uh, there is the unknown, there is the unexpected, and there is the uncontrollable. That kind of stuff scares us to death. The unknown, the unexpected, the uncon uncontrollable. When we have an uncertain future, not knowing, maybe even being ignorant of, of what's going on with the coronavirus, uh, not knowing, um, unexpectedly getting hammered by one of life's hurts, and knowing that it's completely out of your control, always in God's hands. God is large and in charge. He's still on his throne, but we, we got to deal with the fact that it's out of our control. So let me circle back to our, the questions of Jesus for our story today. Why are you so afraid? And do you still have no faith? I want to remind you again, because I want to give you an antidote to fear and anxiety. Remember the trifecta of irrational fear, the unknown, the unexpected, the uncontrollable. So let me give you three facts, faith facts that will cause your faith to flourish and your fears to flee. Flourishing faith fact number one, here's what we know. If you're afraid of the unknowable, here's what you could know that you know that you know. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, the Lord, the great I am. They are plans for your good, not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. God is, is actively at work bringing to reality his plan that is to your good. That's what you got to know. And what you can expect, Romans 8, 28, God works every, here's what you can expect, no matter what things appear, no matter how things seem, God works everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. You got to know God's got a plan. You got to expect that God is actively at work to your good. And you got to know who's in control. Isaiah chapter 41, the word of God says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious 
not mediocre, not run of the mill, not everyday ordinary, my victorious right hand. God's going to win for you. No matter how things appear, no matter the odds stacked against you, no matter how many times you've been knocked down, God's got to hold you up with his victorious right hand. So let's get into this Jesus story and see how all these flourishing faith facts work themselves out in a day in the life of Jesus. Now, this day, Jesus is up before the sun, and he is on the move, out the door, grabs a slab of bread, eats breakfast on the way, and his disciples are with him. They're trotting along, trying to keep up with him, follow him behind, and it's an invigorating moment. Sky is crystal. The air is fresh, invigorating, and Jesus is on his way to an enormous, massive, mounting crowd of people by the Sea of Galilee. And here's how the Word of God uh, takes the story. It says, Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large, large crowd followed him. Uh, they came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, uh, uh, from east of the Jordan River, and even from Tyre, and Sidon, far away is that. The news about the ministry of Jesus had spread far and wide. And huge numbers, vast numbers of, of people came to him. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so that the crowd would not crush him. The crowd was pressing in. That word crush is like you would crush a grape to extract juice. The, crush, the, the, the crowd was crushing in on Jesus. He says to his disciples, have a boat ready. He healed many people that day so that all the sick people, can you imagine the numbers? No hospitals, no doctors, no clinics, no, no, no convalescent centers. If you were sick, you were sick and that was it. And they are all coming to Jesus to be touched by him so that all the sick people eagerly with passion, desperation, enthusiasm, push forward to touch Jesus. And that was his whole day. I mean, from the time the sun came up, he was touching and teaching. He was, he was healing and, and helping and instilling hope. And, and you know what would be absolutely overwhelming to me is that Jesus, he didn't just see the hurts on the outside. He saw the brokenness on the inside. He would look out and see couples who had, the, had tragic, I mean, hurtful uh, problem marriages. And he would see lonely souls who didn't have a friend or anyone in their family. He would, he would see people who were addicted. And more than anything else, he would see their sin. I mean, every sin in every human heart, it was like looking at hell itself and knowing that he would die for that sin, knowing that he would be made to be that sin. But all day long, he heals and helps and pours himself out and teaching and touching. And, and then by the end of the day, by sundown, he's just absolutely exhausted. I mean, 
emotionally dumb, numb, spiritually depleted, mentally spent. And the word of God says that as evening came, they, Jesus and his disciples, left the crowd and they took him along just as he was into the boat, just as he was. Had to be hungry after an entire day of teaching and touching and helping and healing. He had to be hungry. But just as he was, no time to to go home for a, a bite to eat or something to drink. All day long, exhausting himself, helping people and touching people. Didn't have any hand sanitizer either. He was sweaty, felt gross, but they couldn't get through the crowd to get home for a change of clothes, couldn't freshen up, just as he was, weakened, numb, exhausted. Now, why all the big deal about the weakness of Jesus? Check out what happens. They lay him in the stern of the boat. And as they sailed, he slept. His head hits a cushion in the boat and boom, he's out like a light. Now, why all this big drama about all the weaknesses of Jesus? That he was hungry, that he was thirsty, that that he exhausted himself, that he depleted himself, that he spit himself on other people because Jesus was absolutely and fully human, just as human as you and I are. The word of God elevates this truth. This is something we got to get burning in our souls that our Jesus was just as human as you and I. The word of God says this, John 1, that the word Jesus became human and made his home among us. He became one of us. He came to be with us and for us. And I believe that's his ministry still in the midst of this coronavirus deal. He is with us and he is one of us and he is at one with us and he is for us. Book of Philippians, the apostle Paul writes, though Jesus was God, he was born as a human being, flesh and blood baby. You pinch him, he cries, you tickle him, he laughs, he gets hungry, he gets thirsty. He was human in every way. And the author of Hebrews tells us why this is such a huge, 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 big deal to those of us who believe in Jesus. Let me read for you. Since God's children are made of flesh and blood in the same way, it was essential that the Savior take on flesh and blood as well. Why? In order to remove the sin by his death, by embodying, embracing death, taking it into himself. He destroyed the devil's hold on death and from all of life. For people who cower through life, scared to death of death. That's why Jesus had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as our high priest to get rid of people's sin, 
He would have experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help when help was needed most, to help those in need. You see, here's what I want you to, to remember and never forget. Grab a pen and paper and write it down. Jesus came from heaven to earth to be one of us. He came to endure human suffering and death with us and for us. When he died on the cross, he died in our place. When he died on the cross, he was taking our punishment, the punishment we deserve for our sins. When he died on the cross, he was bearing our, the consequences of everything we've done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong. It was horrific, unthinkable, suffering, just like any human being would suffer. And he took it all in our place, in our stead, in our behalf for our sin. The, the word of God says this, w- without warning, got Jesus in the boat, Jesus is unconscious, out like a light, and without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake. I mean, waves broke over the boat uh, so that it was nearly swamped um, without warning. Isn't that how it happens? We don't. See it coming? I mean, if we could prepare, if we could anticipate, if we could, if we could expect every stress and every struggle, but without warning, it's stage four cancer. Without warning, our spouse leaves us. It feels like falling off the edge of the table without warning, we we fall into depression. Without warning, the anxiety comes over us. Without warning, the storms of life assail us. Without warning, this is in the Bible, this is such a short story. It's unbelievably brief. It's almost like a fast paced action movie. It's like bam, 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 bam. We have Jesus just exhausting himself, his full humanity on open display. He's so exhausted, he goes right to sleep. And then without warning, a storm is about to swamp this boat. The only way we know we can see it in the lightning flashes as it fights its way, as it's beaten back by the waves. This this is beyond the knowing of the disciples, this is beyond the expected. This is the uncontrollable. And, and they begin to freak out. They begin to panic. They, they cry out to Jesus. They, the, the disciples, Scripture says, the, the disciples woke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? And I, I think he kind of wakes up all sleepy-eyed and groggy. And he realizes that these boys in the boat have a Jesus that's way too small for their struggles. They call him teacher. What they need is a Lord. What they need is Lord of creation. What they need is the owner of heaven and earth. What they need is a God-sized Jesus who is bigger than anything that comes against them. 
Now, I think it's arrogant of me to say, hey, I ain't scared of nothing. It's humbling to acknowledge that my Jesus, he's got this. He can handle this. Too often, when without warning, the storms of life surge over our souls and we're left staggering and reeling, It's too often that our Jesus is too small. And we go to him in a panic. It's it's not even a prayer, really. It's just like crazy talk in our desperation. Because prayer is bold. Prayer is fully confident that he will help, that he will do, that he will act in our time of need. Um. So, so Jesus, in this bobbing, wildly out of control boat, somehow he gets up on his knees and grabs the side of the boat as it heaves down and heaves up. And then he, one foot under him, another foot under him. He, he, he stands. Jesus gets up and scripture says he got up, rebuked the wind. Same way uh, that you would get on a two-year-old. That's, what the, that's the force of that word. He rebuked. He said No. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. It means be muzzled, like you would put a a muzzle on a vicious dog so that it can't hurt you. Be muzzled. And that's all that it took. The creator, the one who made the wind and the waves in the first place, who always controls, who is always large and in charge, he's spoken to the storm and the storm was done. The winds died down to nothing and the sea was as still as glass. I mean, it wasn't like the waves just settled down. It went from raging, this is how Jesus works, from raging, peaceful, calm, flat as a sheet of glass. This is evidence, this is irrefutable that Jesus, yeah, he's fully human, but at the same time, all the time, Jesus is fully God. Now this combination of our Christ is incredibly significant because it makes Jesus the only perfect candidate to die on the cross to pay for our sins. Being fully human, he experienced all the temptations we do. In his godness, he never gave in. He never gave in so that he knew no sin and did no sin. And so he was the one sacrifice on the cross God would accept to pay for our sins. Look what scripture says. We look at the son. Jesus is God. We look at the son and see the God who cannot be seen. He existed before anything. Jesus is forever. Never had a beginning, will never have an end. He existed before all of creation and and is supreme over all that's created. Everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. Isn't that wild? Everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is the first in everything. For God in all his his fullness was pleased to live inside Jesus. You see Jesus, you see God, you hear Jesus, you hear God. 
You experience Jesus. You experience God. And God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Jesus, fully human, so that when he died, it was a real death. Fully God, risen from the dead, victorious. And the wildest thing is, by his death, all sins forgiven, by his death, cleansed of all guilt and shame, he is made to be our sin and we are made right with God. But by his victory over death, that same supernatural power, that what the Bible calls the incomparably great power by which God raised Jesus from, that's our power. That's our power to deal with a coronavirus, to deal with our emotions, our thoughts regarding our behaviors regarding a coronavirus. Christ, his blood, his victory over death, that's a supernatural power that we get to live in, that we can do our marriages in. Every night when we pray, Deb and I pray that we will do our marriage and our ministry in the supernatural power of God. I pray that for you. I pray that even now as you listen to this word of faith, that you are experiencing the supernatural power of God and that it will have stained power within you for your relationships and for your emotions and for your finances and for how you go after life in the face of the crises that surrounds us every day. Here's how the story closes. Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? If I'm in your boat, you guys might as well be taking a nap. It's all going to be good. Do you still have no faith? You see, it's not like an either or. I can, I, I, I can have some faith and a little fear. No, it's either or. It's either faith or fear. When you got faith, no room for fear. It drives fear out. Do you still have no faith? They thought they were afraid before of the storm, now they are absolutely terrified by the majesty, the holiness, the glory, the creative power of this Jesus who's in the boat with them. They were terrified and ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and wave obey him. That, that, that's probably the most important question that you and I will ever address who is Jesus? Oh my gosh, he is greater. Oh my gosh, he is in control. Oh my gosh, he can be trusted. Oh my gosh, he is faithful. And so as we go through our day and as we are with each other, we keep reminding ourselves, God's got this. He's in control. My Jesus is large and in charge. And he becomes our comforter. And he becomes our counselor. And he whispers his truth over our souls. You know, one of the coolest things about this weekend, though the room in front of me is empty, people came to be baptized. And they experience this Lord of all creation 
When they went under the water, all their sins were washed away. When Kevin and Suzanne came up out of the water, they came up, Scripture says, by the same incomparably great power by which Jesus raised the dead. I'm telling you that. So that just because we are not have, having in-person public services uh, until this crisis is resolved, all you got to do is get on the phone with us, email us, let us know you believe that Jesus is God, that he died for your sins, God raised him from the dead, and you want to share in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. We're, it's just a prayer away, a phone call away. Oh my gosh, I love you guys. We're in this together, and our God is good. Let me pray. Father, you are faithful beyond words. And I I just ask right now that you join us all over the state line area, people watching on their phones, people watching on their iPads, people watching on their devices. If they're cool like me, they got Chromecast, can watch it on TV. And we pray that your Holy Spirit just keeps speaking, keeps speaking, keeps speaking, reminds them over and over and over again. Maybe if possible, this is a message they might need to share with others. That they might need to watch over and over. And maybe, maybe next week they'll invite friends over, family members over, neighbors over, do a little watch party. And watch the message and the worship with them. Lord, you're so good. You're worthy. You're worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.